Welcome back to the Music 101 podcast. I am here with very special guest, Danny Wolf. Welcome to the pod. Hello there, Scoob. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff, but definitely the perspective of being a drummer, being a musician, multiple projects, doing mashups, remixes, all sorts of fun internet stuff, and just kind of what it's like to be like a musician in 2022. So... Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, would you like to just kind of start, maybe talk about some of the projects that you've been in throughout some of your IG handles or whatever you'd like to kind of like just give the p- picture so that people know what makes Danny tick a little bit? Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess first and foremost, I'm a drummer. Um, uh, I'm also a producer, uh, yeah. recording engineer. Um, I've been getting into editing videos. Cool. And uh, I have my own band called Wolf and Love, which is me and my partner, Danny Love. And also I I tour as a a drummer in a bunch of different projects like Great Good Fine OK. Um, I've toured with Rai, uh, Gavin Turek, um, John Kay. So just to name a few. Awesome. And you're based in L.A., right? And I'm based in L.A. Yeah, Glendale right now. Glendale, nice. Yes. Cool. Um, so, with all of that multi-level experience, let's hone in on kind of like the first the first stuff. Did you start as a drummer? Was that how you kind of like entered into music? So, I always wanted to be a drummer. And, uh, you know, since like elementary school. And unfortunately, everybody else wanted to be a drummer too. So, when I tried out in school, I guess it was fifth grade. Is that, that's probably when you start. Yeah, it sounds about right. And, yeah, so uh, I didn't get the audition. So, they put me on clarinet. <laughs> uh, clarinet. And I did clarinet for a year and didn't like it. So, then mm-hmm. I switched to saxophone. Cool. And I ended up playing saxophone throughout all of high school, alto sax. And awesome. always wanted to play drums and like kept on trying to, you know, bother my band teacher, you know, like, oh, just let me play just a little bit. And so finally they let me play in the marching band. Oh, cool. Yeah. So Which, what, what instrument were you playing? Snare or? I did the, the quince. Those oh, quince, nice. Drums. Yeah, the yeah. five toms, basically. Yeah. And so that was my first time in just like playing in a music situation and yeah. in like a school situation okay and then i got into the jazz bands so i just i kept on practicing and i was like i can do it i can really do it and so finally they let, let me play in the jazz bands and and i fell in love with jazz mm-hmm. and uh from there you know i just uh kept practicing uh and then went to music school at the university of miami and continued my studies drumming there so love it yeah so that's how i started i guess do you think do you think that by starting on an instrument like alto sax it's like a solo heavy instrument improvisation heavy instrument do you think that like changed the way you listen to music as a drummer i think so yeah because i i had that foundation in playing notes yeah instead of just rhythms so i was 
even from the beginning, I was listening to music, I think a little bit differently than other drummers who were mostly focused on rhythms, you know? Yeah, totally. And I totally get that. I, I'm always fascinated by the different paths and the like musician that it turns you into. You know? Yeah. And uh, I, I feel like drumming is such a, can be such a melodic instrument. Mm, got yeah. From, you know, your kick drum is like the low frequencies you can think of it. And then, mm-hmm. Uh, it's got also all the way up to the highest frequencies. So um, that kind of helped as a mixing engineer too, because just thinking about all the different frequencies. Yes. Just a drum set. Like, yes. Cause like other instruments, I feel like it's more, it's more focused. Oh yeah. Big time. Like guitars. I can make a guitar that's that big. Exactly. Yeah. So, but the drum set is typically yeah. in a mix. It takes up the whole frequency range. So, Great. Great point. Yeah. Really great point. And I also think that, yeah, a lot of people don't see the connection between rhythm and pitch in the way that, you know, everything is emitting frequencies. So everything is actually pitched. It's just whether or not you perceive it as being pitched, you know? Totally. And uh, so I actually studied, do you know Ari Honig? He's he's a jazz drummer. And he was like my favorite drummer, uh, I guess, when I got out of college. Okay. And he, I, I ended up taking a lesson with him, and cool. he kind of got, I don't know, famous for uh, mm-hmm. being able to play melodies. That's drums. yes, yes, yes. I was like, there's a there's a light bulb in there. Okay, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he's that guy, totally. Yeah, and just so I, I took like I think I only took one lesson with him, but uh-huh. it was really interesting to see how how he thought about drums so melodically, hmm. and unlike anybody else, you know, he was he was able to play really complex but like jazz bebop heads right it, it was really incredible so he, he was a big inspiration for me that's a really great point i, I also like I, I like i'm super obsessed as a mixing engineer too with like the harmonic series about like how like there's no just one note unless it's like a perfect sine wave synthesizer but like everything has got all of these other notes and you just get to decide what you're highlighting and what you're minimizing yeah. with eq saturation all that good stuff so even compression um i find it so interesting like toms are like the purest notes on the drum kit but like even like a crash cymbal has got a, a fundamental frequency cymbals are typically very complex mm. where, yeah you're right so toms you can the, it has a specific pitch usually yeah you know, when you're hitting a tom it's like it's this there's like one note that's very pure yeah there's overtones too, but it's yeah, as you said, it's it's probably the most pure of all the drums. Right. That makes sense, and it makes sense why would like if you were a drummer that's like looking to play melodies, mm-hmm. um, like straight up melodies, then you could like really put the toms to work. Exactly. Yeah, I remember he was talking that even the pitches hmm. when he plays these melodies, the pitches yeah. aren't even as important as the melodies. So. He was huh. playing songs. Okay. He would he so he for example like he he played I can't even think of a uh, just like a song or just like Mary had a little lamb. Sure. He's like the pitches are not as important as the rhythm, you know? Mhm. I guess mm-hmm. that's not the best example. No. I guess I guess it could work, you know, just like based on the different toms and Totally. But I, but I get, I get what you're saying too, of like, there's a certain arc and shape of a melody that's even more important than the notes themselves. 
Yes, exactly. That was that was his point. And you could tell what mm-hmm. the song was just by the rhythm mm-hmm. and the approximate pitch of the toms. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like sometimes people feel very like rigid about pitch because like piano, you know, like we grow up with a piano. It's like the most rigid possible thing. But even pianos, they go out of tune. Yeah. And, but you can still get like even on I played a terrible um, side of the road in a back alley by a beach town piano. Um, you could still make out melodies. It was yeah. completely out of tune, but it was like <laughs> there's an arc. There's a warbliness. There's a vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So in terms of going from like studying in music school and then going to apply it and going out on the road and doing like session work and recording and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. what what was like, what was the biggest thing that you kind of took away from school, like in terms of mentality or in terms of um, like growth mindset so that you could like go out on the world and keep learning? Yeah, I think it was a lot of learning was from just my peers. Cool. And just they were so inspiring to me. Um, people like Luke Melman, who you did an interview with, like, yeah, just like being able to work with them and make music together mm-hmm. um, and just taking that and putting it into different situations. And it's, it's interesting, like at school, you don't really realize what it's like to be a professional musician in the real world. Mm. It's mm. like, cause you have to take all the things you, all the skills you learned and it's like, okay, now, now this is a job. Now I need to start making money. Mm. And uh, these days it really helps to uh, just broaden your horizons. And you can't, a lot of times you can't just be a drummer, you know, mm-hmm. you have to also uh, be a mixing engineer or a producer and and a lot of the times it's the guys that can, or ladies that can do, you know, a whole bunch of different things are the ones that are successful. So, yeah, I feel like it's just being able to open your mind and mm-hmm. you know, do as many different things as you can. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And I agree where that diversity of skill, and it also makes you a better at your own instrument too, like like we were just talking with frequencies, you know, you think different. Yeah. Luke was Luke was saying something very similar about synthesizers, and like as a keyboardist, he was saying that, you know, he he learned more about playing keyboards, becoming a mixing engineer, because then he was thinking more in terms of frequency pockets. Mm, yeah. You know, rather than just like what cool clusters or what cool notes can I use? It's like, no, I need I need some space right around 250 hertz. It's like, oh, this, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I see mixing as it's it's almost like a puzzle. Mm, like, yeah. Especially if you're all, you're just being the mixing engineer on a project and you're given yes. a bunch of puzzle pieces, basically. So it's you have the drums, you have the bass, you guitars or synths and then mm-hmm. vocal and you just have to find where each of those instruments fit in the frequency range yes exactly and and where they reinforce and subtract from each other yeah exactly yeah, yeah. like like Sometimes two instruments can be in the same frequency but you know maybe you can uh pan them to the sides cool like guitar and piano, maybe the guitar will be on one side or piano will be on the other. 
Good point. Exactly. Create that separation by using your two ears. Yeah. When they are stepping on each other or when they're occupying the same space. Yeah. Um, I'm curious with like your, your flow for mixing. Do you, do you like to mix like with a lot of things solo? Do you like to mix with a lot of things on at the same time? Some sort of combination? Like what's, what's your flow? Like how do you, when you just get that fresh session where it's all these tracks, your first time hearing it, how do you jump in? Yeah. So when I'm mixing first, usually I just, I always ask for a reference mix. So I I Mm -hmm. listen to what the artist wants, wants the song to sound like. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like my uh, my framework that I'm cool. working off of. Yeah. And I always put that in the session. I put it at the bottom, and then I'm able to solo between that and then the mix that I have mm-hmm. going. Um, I usually work with like I'll I'll put some stuff on the stereo mix. Yeah. You know, just like some mastering plugins, just to boost it up, and so I know what it's basically what it's going to sound like at the end. Cool. So just just for those that don't know what that is, so that's basically the thing that everything goes into. Right. It's the it's that master that stereo mix that you're throwing some limiting, some stuff to uh, increase the volume. And do you do anything else like saturation or anything, or is it mostly yeah, focused so on volume? Usually, I'll have at least one saturation yeah. uh, plugin. I'll have a compressor. Cool. Uh, like Shadow Hills. Yeah. Um, totally. And then uh, Isotope. Always. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. usually have at the ends. So that's that's usually my last plugin. Cool. Yeah. Or or a multi-band compressor. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the DMG Limitless. Okay. Yeah. Go to one these days. Nice. Um, but yeah, when when I'm mixing, I usually, if there's a drum set in it, that's yeah. what I start with. I cool. I really yeah. want the drums to, I want to get the drum sounds first. Yes. That's makes kinda, sense. When I'm when I'm producing, it's it's different. I okay. I usually don't start with drums actually, mm-hmm. um, but I'm thinking rhythmically. But when I'm mixing, it's it's typically I'll start with the drum set. Love it. I mean, drum set informs so much about genre. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just like getting the track to really hit, and then yeah. everything else can kind of fit in place. Cool. To get the drums sitting right. Yeah. So you're getting those transients. You're getting that 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 thing that's going to drive it all and then everybody can lay in with yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, wh- one of the things that I I've been doing more recently is just like mixing super quiet to hear the conversation between the snare drum and the vocal. Mm. Um, like I, I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, most popular music is fundamentally the conversation between the vocal or whatever's acting like a vocal and the drum kit, you know, everybody else is dancing along, but that's the conversation, you know? Yeah, um, making sure the the level between the because vo- the vocals, I feel like, mm-hmm. yeah, that when you listen to it at a low volume, you want to be able to hear the vocal, and they're you know if they're cutting through, then you'll be able to hear it at a low volume. Cool, yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. I want to talk. About, I want to talk about your project, um, and it feels like kind of disco revival, which I am a hundred percent here for. I actually think that's kind of like what the world needs right now is a little bit of like dance party. Uh, like I want, I want to hear like some like 16 minute versions of your songs, you know? So like, <laughs> I, I just want to talk about that, like that kind of genre, your, your project kind of what, what inspires you there. And, um, and like maybe, maybe some artists that you like kind of look up to and, and emulate or if, if, drawn inspiration from yeah well um 
so that's the project that I have with with Danny. Yeah. And um he is very influenced by artists like Whitney Houston and and Prince. Yeah. And um the band name actually was inspired by Hall and Oates. Oh cool. Nice, yeah. So we're just like, all right, let's just take our two last names and put them together. Oh, and you have cool you have cool last names. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I think you know, we we both are really into dance music mm-hmm. and um so that's that's like a big inspiration you know we're, we're trying yeah. to when we play live it's a lot of energy and we want mm-hmm. people to dance that's, mm-hmm. that's totally i completely feel that yeah I completely feel that what do you what do you think about uh like as a drummer like drawing from dance music from across the ages like how, how do you approach that like do you do you like listen to daft punk and the way they program drums and then you're like oh i could like do that but like add a little bit of you know like hollow notes or <laughs> yeah so so as far as drums with with this music is it started a lot of the first songs that we wrote were mm-hmm. were very sample based cool and um you know like uh i would use splice a lot and mm-hmm. Um, the Oliver Pack. I don't know if you're. Familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar with the Oliver Pack. Awesome. Yeah. and just yeah. drum sounds are amazing. Mm-hmm. So I, I was I was taking a lot of samples and building building the drums off of that, mm-hmm. and uh, they actually these songs started as remixes. Hmm. Cool. So I I got really into when I first got into production. I was mm-hmm. doing a bunch of remix contests yeah so i would go on to sites like uh skio music is one of them metapop cool uh, indaba music and just like i some of the times i would just get the stems and Mm -hmm. just try and build tracks around that cool yeah and so when i when we were first starting the bands i Mm -hmm. I was like, Danny, I have like a bunch of these tracks. They're they're remixes, but like mm-hmm. I'm gonna take the vocals out and then mm-hmm. see what you can do over it. Nice. And yeah. Cool. And I I think it was it was a lot to do with I was just getting into production and I was kind of nervous about uh-huh. starting a song from scratch. Like I mm-hmm. just had never really done it before. So drawing inspiration from like the top lines of other songs to mm-hmm. get my tracks to a to a certain place. I love that. That's a fun backdoor way to like start something from scratch without starting something from scratch. Yeah. Uh, That's good. I I was always I I think just like uh, nervous about starting from nothing, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, you're not alone. You're not alone. I hear so many people the the two hardest things to do is start and finish. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah um so yeah i think our our whole first ep was was songs that were that started as remixes cool yeah um but yeah you were asking about the drums uh i think eventually i started being like well i should start using my drum set more because i'm a drummer do this yeah (laughs) i should start recording my own drums Mm -hmm. and uh so i 
I would usually start with a sample, okay. sample drums. Like I would come up with the beat and then I'd try and double it with drums and cool. combine the two. Cool. Whether it was hi-hats mm-hmm. uh, to like give it more of an acoustic feel mm-hmm. or just like doubling with the snare drum, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, do you approach drums differently from the computer when you're programming the drums versus from the kit? Yeah, very much. So like when I'm working on a computer, yeah. Um, a lot of people that program drums, they'll use like um, like a pad or something and they'll mm-hmm. play it. Right. But I always just drag and drop samples. Yep, me too. Me too. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just... I just felt way more comfortable just building a a drum set that way. Yes. Okay, I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only one. I totally resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. Because because like then I like I'm it makes me think more about like grid and the elements of the grid rather than trying to like sometimes the drums are supposed to be the framework that you build other stuff on rather than like when I'm playing on a pad, I'm going for hooks. And then I feel like the drums like go to a, like an area that's like very, look at me. I'm the drums rather than being the quarterback or the like backbone of the whole thing. When I drag and drop and place it in, I don't know. Yeah. I think cause I'm doing a lot of drag and drop samples mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm treating it like just another instrument instead yeah. of like trying to perform something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm the same way. I think it's I think it's funny because a lot of people don't really understand what drum programming even is because mm-hmm. there's like the there's like a misnomer that it's just loops or drum machines. Right. But yeah. m- most of the people that are drummers that I talk to are like. Yeah, like sometimes we'll use loops, but it's mostly like a labor of love. Like, no, I want that hi-hat here. (laughs) Super specific. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, And find, yeah, finding like sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially with things like hi-hat or snare drum, like Mm -hmm. ghost notes, Yes. want them to be somewhere in between the actual grid. Cool. Yes. Um, Using like the swing quotient in logic Uh or something Uh like that. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. No, that that's a great point. Ghost notes are the hardest thing to program, but the most rewarding thing to program. Yeah. When you nail that, it's because it, it's different. It ends up kind of being otherworldly. Like, yeah, it's like it's like okay, that's somewhere in between a real drummer and a digital drummer, and that's a that's a pretty hip hip place to be. Totally, totally. Yeah. And when when you start playing drums on top of yeah. Uh like samples and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, even though you're physically playing it, mm-hmm. it still sounds okay if you chop it up and line it up perfectly. Mm. It still gives more of an acoustic feel. That's a good point. Because you're playing in a live room with you know, mm. the sounds bouncing off the walls into the mic. Love that. Yeah. Love that. In terms of like dynamics, uh, programming with dynamics, do you like... Like say you're doing an eighth note, a hi hat or something. Could that could be eighth or sixteenth, depending on where you put the snare. But um, but like doing that, like are you are you modulating up and down the the volumes? Do you look for like different samples to create like 
different timbral effects or do you kind of like stay more static like you know traditional dance music where it's just kind of like the same sample across the whole grid yeah i think it's kind of all of all of those things like cool. with hi-hat yeah some, like sometimes i could take the same hi-hat sample yes and you can take like the the ones that are supposed to be quieter and maybe pitch it down a little bit oh okay yeah then also you can do the gain cool yeah so gain it down pitch or or even uh take take like an eq and cut off cut off the tops nice so that it's getting darker on those like non-dominant beats yeah you're you're kind of trying to what it would be like if you're actually playing the hi-hat there i like it but it's a slightly different feel because it's it's all electronic yes and i I think that's cool because i don't know we in the same way that I felt when I actually touched some analog gear, I understood my digital gear that much better. It's like, oh, I understand what that knob's supposed to do. And like, now I know how to use that knob on the computer. I feel like a similar thing with like drums. Like, even if you don't play drums, if you're programming drums, like get behind a kit, just put your ear next to some things and hit some stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, they'll both inform each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it each grows the other. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about touring. And then after that, I want to get to um, your awesome mashup kind of like evolution of your remix career onto this like awesome digital medium. But first, let's talk some touring. Uh, what what do people not know that are like thinking like, oh, I want to go on the road. Like, this is what I want my life to be. Like, what what do they not know about touring the, the stuff that is not um, on the spotlight? Okay, well, first of all, it's very little playing and a lot of loading and unloading. Yes. Bands, but right, right. Very little playing. You're, we like to joke that you're basically a professional truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. You're a professional truck di- driver and like... Uh, that has uh, a hobby of... Uh, <laughs> play sometimes. Like, you know. Exactly. Every day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, what about uh? What about like you get into a new city? Uh, do you go hotel restaurant and keep it chill, or do you try and like explore the city a little bit? What's your flow when you go into like a new place? So it usually depends if you're. So I've done uh like some bus tours. Yeah. And with the bus it's nice because you wake up in the city. Yes. Right. So that's, so that allows you to have more free time mm-hmm. in the city to explore. You can grab some food. A lot of the times when you're in like a van, which mm-hmm. is, is normally how I've tour, mm-hmm. you're driving during the day. Yes. And then you get to the city and you, you get to the venue, you load in takes, mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes two hours. Yeah. And load in, sound check, and then you go eat. And, yeah. And then when you're done eating, it's almost time to play, basically. Yes. So there isn't too much free time to explore if you're in a van. But the nice part is that you really get to see the country because you're driving and you get to you get to see the landscape of the country more. That's a good point yeah definitely yeah i i I don't know if people understand that the 
primary value of a tour bus is being able to have a professional driver that drives you at night. Yeah. That is awesome because then you, yeah, you wake up and you're in your place and you can you actually do stuff and go for a walk. And right. Yeah. <laughs> be a human uh, being. The tricky part is that it's very difficult to sleep. Well, for some people, it's difficult to sleep on the bus. Yeah. Yeah, totally. For me, I was, I was pretty good at sleeping on the bus until you get to the city, mm. um, which is usually like five, six in the morning. And yeah. Start, you know, starting and stopping and turning. Yeah. Yeah. Turns and then it's like, you're up, you know? I agree. My, my first uh, bus tour that I ever did, I went to lay down in my bunk and the sound guy stopped me because I was going to lay with my head facing the driver. He was like, if we stop too hard, you're going to break your neck. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> thing to learn, yeah. And don't poop on the bus. <laughs> on the bus, yeah. That's very important. Um, and also, which I learned the hard way, is don't drink the water. Ooh. I ended up getting a coli. You did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, it was it was bad. Um, yeah. We just saved a bunch of people's lives right there. Don't drink the water and don't sleep with your head facing the driver. <laughs> I had yeah. so I had a water bottle that yeah. you know it had a filter on the top. Yeah. And they they told me you know don't drink the water, but I was like, oh well, I have a filter on my water bottle. Yeah. Clearly, it does not uh, take out the E. coli. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, I want to talk about your um your mashups because we got we got another like five minutes or so here. Okay. Let's let's talk these mashups. Uh, do you feel like that was an evolution of your your remix days? Um, and and talk about like I know that people are really responding well to them. I think they're super fun. Where did this start? What was the goal? And then like what has it turned into? So it actually started as a fluke. I was just in the car with my fiance, and uh -huh. she just. She said to me, you know, I, I just heard at work uh, the Fleetwood Foxes, like one of one of your favorite bands. And I was like, and I just started laughing. I was like, oh, my God, I need to make a mashup of those two things. Yeah. And and so she is a comedy writer. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah. So she helped me make that first video. Cool. And, and so it was, you know, Fleet Foxes and Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we filmed it and I didn't, I really had no expectations and put it up and then, uh, you know, it just started blowing up. And then Robin Pecknells from Fleet Foxes reposted it. No way. It was just, yeah, it was crazy. So I was like, all right, I guess I should make more of these. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, it just and it just started blowing up from there. <laughs> it's crazy. Man, the power of just those little those little ideas and actually doing them, you know, like that that's the magic is you actually followed through. I feel like a lot of people have like come up with like a funny pun combination, but then they just like, you know, like, oh, that'd be fun to do someday. For me, it's like as soon as I get an idea, I need to do it right away. Cool. Or else if I wait too long, then I'm just like, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to do that. So That's great advice. And I get an idea. Like I probably got home and I was like, we have to do this now. <laughs> we need to film this right now. And look at what it does. Look at what, what it does by, by making that call. I love it. Yeah. And then after that, so 
then I was like, all right, well, I I posted this video where I was like, I I reached out to you know the people, the followers, and I was just like, you come up with ideas for mashups, uh-huh. and that way I can say I can do like on Instagram, you could do like the quote, yeah, video, yeah. yeah. Right. So, and I feel like that really helps too because it, it got a lot of people involved. Cool. Also. So everybody's like trying to come up with their their favorite mashups of two bands. I love it. Yeah. You create that audience engagement, you create content and uh and you get to like like play with something that people already love. I feel like that's special. Yeah, it's it's been fun. And I, I see it it's also like a puzzle. Cool. It's another puzzle. Very similar to mixing because uh you have two bands. Mm-hmm. So you come up with the you know the title basically. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, which two songs work together? And uh, it's it's you can't just use any song. It's mm-hmm. it it really needs to be songs that are either in the same key. Okay. Or you can pitch the keys, but it's 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 yeah. Then you lose it. Weird. Right. That makes sense. Um. Or what mm-hmm. I found the best is if the uh like the lyrics are in like the relative minor so like if the track is in c yeah. major and then the vocals are in a minor it it gives the the lyrics like a different feel yeah that's cool like, i think that the fleetwood fox is one uh-huh. um, the fleet uh the <laughs> i give i guess <laughs> um, is in a major key okay and the fleetwood mac song is in a minor key Mm-hmm. It just gives the melody this whole dark flavor to it. I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's a, that's a great point. And that, that's, yeah, I mean, part of the value to, to like study music theory or whatever is to like understand just that it's a bag of tricks and like that's pulling from one that I think some people with relative major and minor, it's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. It's like, no, look at, look at like you're using it music theory in like a hilarious way that's yeah. leading towards really happy people on the other end that's that's a beautiful thing yeah and it's like with those with those mashups it's yeah. basically i just use melodyne and mm-hmm. I use uh the isotope rx mm-hmm. and that allows you to isolate the vocals it's just like the craziest technology amazing yeah it's uh it's called uh, music rebalance okay and basically you could just put whatever song you wanted to it and then you can isolate the vocals, you can isolate the drums, you can isolate the bass. It's like, it's crazy. So just with those two tools, I could make most of the mashups. I love that. I, I, I actually did something very similar for um, artists that I work with called Chai. They wanted me to do a remix, but they didn't send me anything. So yeah. just do a remix. Yeah, exactly. For those, for those remixes, you can... You can take any song and just isolate the vocals. Yep. And the drums, when you do that, sound wild. And so sometimes I'll use them. I'll, like ta- I'll rip out the drums and like... Fa- th- 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 try that. That's it sounds cool. crazy because it's got a bunch of artifacts in it. Because like we were saying, the drums are such a wide spectrum of frequencies. There's artifacts all over it. You take that and like throw into a stereo phaser or something like that. And it seriously feels like your head is like spinning. It's pretty sweet. I'm going to need to try that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Danny. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Love it. And I, I'd like to recommend to all of the listeners or watchers to check out Danny's Instagram as well as Wolf and Love. 
and all of the stuff that Danny's working on, cross music, video, the whole ecosystem of what we do. Yeah, the wolf, the wolf in love is Wolf Ends Love You, Y-O-U. Love it. Check it out. Check it out. We'll throw that in the bio too. Cool. So oh, thanks a lot. Thanks so much. Take it easy. And uh, if you have any questions, reach out to us on Instagram or whatever. We'll be happy to uh, to answer them. Thanks a lot. Cool. All right. Yeah. Appreciation.